Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, this is Stephanie here with Pastor Adam. Hey, hey. And we are glad you're joining us for another week of the Messy Walk podcast. We just got done with my first ever series. Yeah, you did great. Yeah. I think it was 10 episodes, maybe 11. I don't know. It was a lot. I don't remember. It was a long I'm one. I'm a math girl. It was a long one. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called again? Uh, so it was a long title. <laughs> things I wish I would have known when I first started following Jesus. Exactly. And then I kept saying through the whole series, things I wish somebody would have told me when I kept when I first started following Jesus. But that was it. Things we wish we would have known when we first started following Jesus. And it was a long one. It was a bunch of things. Um, there was a couple episodes in there that I thought were extremely good. Yeah, and, same. And one of them sets up what we're going to do anyway um, going forward. I think the best one in that whole series was You're Not Alone in Your Struggles. Yeah, that was and great. This, this per, that particular series we just finished, um, really the idea behind it was to help people that were newer to the faith. But but it ended up helping you at any level of your faith, especially yeah. if you're just starting to get serious about it. I had more people, individual people, that I would run into in public or whatever, and most of the time I don't know them. They know me. I don't know them, right? Because they mm-hmm. hear me preach, teach, or whatever. They watch online. They listen to the podcast. and so. But I don't know them. And, um, and they would, during that podcast series, come up to me and go, I started listening to the podcast. I really like this episode. And it was always about that series. It was more than we've ever had. I've ever had personally. Really? Yeah, That's really so cool. cool. Just had one happen. Just had one on Sunday. Um, a family that I had no idea was listening. They were like, hey, we've been listening to the podcast together as a family. Wow. Um, I just found out that there's a there's at least one small group at our church that they do our podcast as their small group curriculum, as a, as a, as a group. That's really neat. Yeah. We were sitting That's around. Really me and Valerie were sitting around in our small group trying to figure out what we were going to study next, what that was going to look like, because mm-hmm. um, our, our group is getting connected again where it's been um, – we've been just so off the recent the last several months. Um with people's schedules and kids and stuff like that, and uh, and one of the one of the people brought it up and was like, "Well, I know such and such a group of the church does the podcast," and then and they were like, "Y'all, y'all want to do the podcast?" And then one of the people in the group said, "Well, it's going to be kind of weird having Adam in the room and just <laughs> listening to him talk, you know, on the podcast in the background." And I was like, "I kind of agree," but yeah, it was pretty cool. So anyway, that last series has been uh, was real, real. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's effective. I don't know if it's enjoyed. Like I used to, Steph, I used to say to people when they would leave the church, you know, like for the day, like day would be over with or I'd run them to in public or whatever. And I used to say, they'd say something about the message and I'd say, well, I hope you enjoyed it. And the Holy Spirit checked me. Wow. Because the Holy Spirit was like, well, maybe I didn't want them to enjoy it. Right. You know what I mean? like yeah. maybe, maybe that wasn't the it's plan. It's not about entertainment. Maybe yeah. that wasn't the plan for them to enjoy it. So I don't know whether it's, you know, I, I just know that that last, that last series um, has been consumed a, not, a lot. Yes, it has. And enough for people, for multiple people, more than anything we did before to come and go, hey, I really like this. I really needed this or whatever. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was cool. First, your first series. It was awesome. I know. That yeah, was so awesome. fun, too. So. Let's say we are leading into a new conversation today, yes. and our our series is titled "An Honest Conversation About Mental Health." Yeah, so this gonna, is episode one thirty one. One thirty one. We're going to talk through mental health for I think what I say earlier the next six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. Yep, yeah, something like that. Um, 
We're going to talk about, we're just going to have an honest, raw, open conversation about mental health. We've got some notes, we've got some direction that we're going, but um, Stephanie and I are going to kind of free flow some of this too. And we're just going to spend some time talking about mental health. Um, And I think we've talked about different pieces of this over the last couple of years of the podcast, but never a series dedicated to mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, um, this idea came from two places. One of the most impactful, I think, um, episode in the last series that we did on the podcast was the one that was like, you're not alone in your struggles. Yes. Really, really impactful. Um, and that led me in this direction. But also, um, we are, um, several weeks ago, we started a teaching series in our student ministry with kids 7th through 12th grade um, at both the campuses about mental health. Um and the title of their little preaching series, a little teaching series, is "Is My Friend Struggles with Blank." Right. Oh yeah. And so it's a series on anxiety, depression, suicide, those kind of things. And so, um, as I was going over and prepping for all that, and I've been teaching the youth um, those those lessons um, for several months now, maybe six months, pushing six months, something like that. Um, when I was going through it, I was like. And we need to we need to do this on a podcast. Adults need to hear this too, because we, we we live in a culture that um, uh, mental health issues are, are prevalent. Um, yes, they're everywhere. Now, it ain't like they've always not been there, right? There's always been mental health issues with human beings, um, but post pandemic and in this current generation of people, and especially in the generation to come, the one that's the one that's the youngest generation among us right now, which would be known as Gen Alpha. Yeah. Um, the the rate of anxiety and depression and mental health issues is just astronomical, right? Now, part of that is because we're finally being honest about it, yeah. whereas people weren't before. Um, but it's really prevalent. And I think the good thing about this is, not, not that it's good that we're struggling with mental illnesses, but the good thing is, is that um, it, it, people are more open to talk about it than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, you didn't talk about this stuff. When I was a young pastor, you didn't talk about this stuff. There was such a stigma, especially among Christians and in the church, about mental health issues and things, right? Like people yes. would people would disguise um, talking about their mental health as in I need pastoral help, right? They would it wouldn't be I need counseling because I'm struggling with anxiety and depression and OCD and all these things. It would be uh, and bipolar disorder and mood you know, all those things, it would be, I need to talk to my pastor about something about Jesus, right? It would disguise it. Um, and, 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 and I, I know I felt the stigma and I also played into the stigma. Um, cause I've struggled with anxiety my whole life, at least, at least from an early teen on. Yeah. I've struggled with anxiety. Anxiety has ruled me obsession over time and being late and and then of course anxiety and depression always go together yes and so um i've had bouts of significant bouts of what i'd say is depression um at least a a waning mood right the mood's up the mood's down the mood's up the mood's down um and anxiety always nervous and anxious right i've had a hard time going to sleep most of my life um hard time turning my brain off Hard time not worrying about every little thing all the time and trying to trying to do things perfect to curb the anxiety. So some perfectionism that has come in there. And, yes. You know, a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. And I played into the stigma 
as a young pastor because when I needed counseling, when I needed counseling, I was scared for anybody to know that. Um, yeah. I didn't want anybody to know that I needed counseling. And so the very first so, – so I just want to start this whole thing off by saying I've struggled with these things for a long time. I, I, you know, out of the last uh, – let's say the last 20 years, I have seen a counselor three different times um, for long periods of time each. So the first time I went to see a counselor, I, I hid it from everybody for the most part except for my wife – and I went all the, way to Chapel, all the way to Chapel Hill to see the counselor because right? I didn't want anybody around here knowing it. Yeah. Um, and I saw that counselor for at least a year. Um, and then not, you know, several years later, Valerie and I saw a marriage counselor together. I saw that counselor on my own, too, as well. Um, and then about three or four, maybe five months ago, maybe a little longer than that, I started seeing another counselor myself. Uh, this time I'm seeing a, a former pastor who now counsels pastors. Um, I have personally been on medication for anxiety, uh, 10 out of the last 15 years. Um, so long-term treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not on it currently. Um, uh, my doctors removed me from those things currently and then things are going pretty well for the most part. Um, but I, I'm just saying that People are more open now to talking about these things right this current moment. Like, it's not unusual for you to see the news covering mental health issues, for you to see um, uh, Facebook posts and Instagram posts and things like that affirming getting help for mental health issues and, and break the stigma. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hashtags break the stigma and stuff like that and, um, and talk about it, talk it out, right? Let people be who they are and share what's going on with them, especially mental health-wise and so. I think that's an incredible thing. Yeah. I think it's really good that we're in a space where we're talking about it, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, because I'm telling you, as a pastor and a preacher, I don't think I could have preached on mental health like this 15 years ago, um, maybe not even 10 years ago. The first time I preached through this stuff at Union, um, we preached on depression in particular, um, and the church was about two and a half, three years old. Um, and it was not easy to do then, and that was about seven, eight years ago. Um, it was it was still a hard topic to, to broach, um, and so now I think that it's a little bit better, and so we can actually talk about these mental health issues. People are more open to saying it. So when you hear somebody say, hey, I, I struggle with anxiety or I'm on medication or I see a counselor, people are more likely to say, me too, right? Yeah. Or I need to. Who do you see? Or what do yeah. you do, right? Um, what do you struggle with? Like they they want to relate and they're and they're open instead of just going oh okay and then hiding yeah what they struggle with you know what I mean yeah like you and I have had talks about this forever mm -hmm. uh, off and on um, in the church world as friends you know all those kind of things and and now obviously we're sitting here talking about it and both you and I before this episode was like you know we <laughs> yeah. we struggling right now yeah you know, this the struggle's real struggling at this moment <laughs> as where you're speaking as we're talking about it. <laughs> 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 so we're not picking yeah. some abstract thing. We're also picking something that we struggle with, and I want to be able to have just an open, honest conversation about that. And so um, Stephanie will share some um, mm -hmm. during this series and during this episode, and I'll do the same thing. Um, but we just want to start off talking about it. And so let's begin this whole conversation for the next several weeks. Um, kind of guide this to a couple of things. Um, there are two groups of people that are listening to the podcast. Just two. Everybody's going to fit into one of these two. 
Um, and I really like it when it's like that because I Me know too. my audience, right? So there's two groups of people. The first group of people are those who struggle with mental illness. It's those people who you're listening and you know that you struggle with high-level anxious thoughts, um, irrational anxiety, mm-hmm. um, depressive states. You struggle with OCD, you sh- obsessive-compulsive disorder. You struggle with uh, hyperactivity, attention mm-hmm. deficit disorder. You struggle with um, eating disorders. Um, those are mental health issues as well. You suffer from uh, PTSD like PTSD is not just for people that were in the military in a war, right? Right. <laughs> um, that's what we usually end up doing with it. The PTSD is for soldiers. No, it's not. Uh, and PTSD comes up more than you would ever realize. It comes up from a traumatic situation or, or thing that has happened that you end up having um, this, this trauma disorder associated from it. And it can be something that doesn't even seem like out of the vacuum doesn't even seem that traumatic of an event. But because of the state that you were in, the age that you were, whatever it means, it's a, tra- it's a traumatic event. There's tons of people who have PTSD from a parent leaving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, and that was, for them, that was 20, 30 years ago. But there are things that trigger that, right? Um, because it was this traumatic event, event that created stress. And so there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of things um, that you have. So, so the first group of people listening to the podcast – um, are you, those of you who struggle with mental health issues and mental illnesses? That's the first group. The second group, uh, which is going to cover everybody else, are those that know somebody who has struggled with these. Everybody's in one of those two groups. You either struggle yourself or you don't struggle yourself, but you know somebody does. And the person that does is actually uh, quite close to you. Mm-hmm. Right, like you, you may not struggle with it, but you know somebody cl- really close to you—a spouse, a friend, a parent, a sister, a brother, um, whatever it may be. You know, you know somebody really close to you that actually struggles with it. So we cover. So, so, so this mental health thing, man, um, it covers everybody. It touches everybody. Yeah. So even if you hadn't struggled with it, you know As somebody often, who does, yeah. right? You know yeah. somebody who does. And so it has affected your life regardless, right? And so it's a big, big thing. I mean, it's the same. I, I want us to draw the conclusion. We'll get to this next episode, but I don't want us to draw the conclusion. It's the same thing as like cancer, right? It's the same thing as a significant health issue. You either struggle with it yourself or you know somebody who does. Yeah. You know, like like I've got I've got heart issues um, because I have been a um, I've been horrible at taking care of myself over the last 15, 20 years, basically since I've been in ministry. So I have high blood pressure and high cholesterol and all those things. Like I'm a prime candidate. We're working on it, so don't worry. But I'm a prime candidate for a heart attack or a stroke, right? Yeah. So we're working on it. So you are either listening right now and you have those things and you're a prime candidate for something like that, or you know somebody who has. And so I'm trying to, I'm, by saying all this, I'm trying to normalize this thing with mental health, right? I'm trying to normalize it. So everybody's going to fall into those groups. And so what me and Steph want to do is we get started with this thing is just start this open conversation is to be able to speak some things to each group. That's it, right? So let's talk first to those of you who like me and like Steph struggle with mental health issues in some way, shape, form, capacity. Um, I'm going to give you three things. So if that's you and you struggle Listen to these three things. If you don't struggle with it and you know somebody that does, I'm going to give you three things in a few minutes, all right? Um, But here's the first one. 
If you struggle with mental health, number one, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. You are not alone. Uh, the very fact that Steph and I are sitting here doing this podcast right now is a declaration to you that you are not alone. Me as a pastor just telling you that I've sought counseling for years and been on medication for years is a declaration to you that you are not alone. So don't think of the podcast as you just found something to listen to that's helping you. Think of it literally as God telling you a a sign from the Lord. Everybody looks for signs from God all the time, right? A, A word directly from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is telling you right now through this, hey, look, you are not alone. And I'm not just saying that in theory. There's two people talking to you about this right now who are sharing that they struggle with these things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I gave some stats to um, the student ministry, you know, whenever we taught this. And um, 49.5%, 49.5%. So let's, 49.5% would be, let's just say 50%. That's pretty close. Yeah, just about 50, yeah. 50% of adolescents, so we're talking about age 13 to, to 18, struggle with mental health illnesses. That's half. Yeah. And I think that stat's skewed. Yeah, probably. Because not everybody's going to be honest about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so at least, at bare minimum, 50% of teenagers struggle with mental health. Now, here's what I know about every teenager. They all grow up to be adults. Mm-hmm. So if 50% of teenagers currently are struggling with mental health, that means that in two, three, five, ten years, you're going to have 50% of adults who have struggled with mental health, which you already do, right? So once again, let those stats confirm for you that you are not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your struggle with mental illness. You are not the random crazy one in the room, right? Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's important to hear. Because like we, there's spaces where we're going to have to spend a lot of time that can be work, that can be some type of ministry, School, that can be with your right. friends. You need to know you're not the only person in that room or yes. in that space that's struggling with something. You need to know that because like some somebody might hide it well. That doesn't mean they're not struggling. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and it's not, it's not that you are, there's one other person in that room. Right. Half the people in that room are going to struggle with these things. Yeah. Half. Right. So, so more than likely, if, if, if the stats hold true and my, um, my evaluation is right, because I work with people all the time. Yeah, you would see it. What I would tell you is, is that if you are in any of those settings that, that Stephanie was just talking about, school, work, Whatever it is, right? A restaurant. Just pick a random yeah. restaurant, right? You never go to a restaurant and you're the only person. You, you go by yourself. You, you ever do that stuff? Yeah, I do that all the time. I do too. I love it. Right? <laughs> I do too. There are certain people that hate that. They will not go to a restaurant by themselves. They feel so weird. I love it. Yes, yeah, peaceful. Right? I love it. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're like you're in the restaurant by yourself and you think to yourself that you're the only one in this restaurant. No, I'm telling you, if the stats hold true and my experience holds true, you're actually in the majority. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people. In the restaurant, in the school uh, class that you're taking, right? The night class that you're going to, your your uh, your continuing education class you got to go to, right? A work setting when you're sitting in church, when you're sitting in a Bible study, when you're sitting in a small group, the majority of you are struggling with these things, mm-hmm. and so you're not alone in those struggles. And so here's my question back to this then for the first one: If you're not alone in your struggles. What would happen if you opened up about it then? Like, what would happen if somebody actually in those settings 
opened up about it. And I'm not telling you to yeah. stand up in the middle of the restaurant and scream, you know, I got mental health issues. But <laughs> but I'm saying in a setting where you could, like, what if you opened up to the people around you about those things? So our friends, our friends, our family, they're supposed to p- provide strength when we're weak. Yeah, I'll show you that at the end of this episode, too, scripturally. But they're supposed to provide strength when we're weak. And so... What if you were actually open about it? If you know that you're not lonely, you know you know you know, you know that you're not alone in this because loneliness can only exist if we stay silent. Mm-hmm. Like the enemy wants you to think you're the crazy one in the room. Yeah, he does. He wants you to think you're the crazy one. Be quiet. Don't say anything. He wants you to worry about what people are going to think of you. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus wants you to to know who you are in Him and what he says about you, what he knows about you, what he declares to be true, what he has died to purchase about you. He wants you to know that and to speak boldly from that. And so loneliness can only stay um, in you feeling isolated in this thing of mental issue if you be quiet. Mm -hmm. It can't exist if you don't be quiet because I'm telling you, the vast majority of people in the room struggle with the same stuff. So number one, you're not alone in your struggle. So maybe a practical step, if we just stopped right now, a practical step would be, Find somebody you trust and start talking about it. Um, find anybody that you trust. And I'm, not, I'm not saying it has to be a professional. Of course, professionals are there. Um, but most people, most people disclose these things to somebody they trust that's not a professional before they ever find a professional. That's true. Um, now, every now and then you'll have someone who doesn't say a word and they just go to their pastor or whoever and they just unload about it. But most people have said, hey, I struggle with this. And then what that person ends up telling you is they trust you, is you trust them. They help you by going, you're not alone in this. Go talk to such and such. Go mm-hmm. see this. They're the ones that end up referring you to somebody, basically. Um, so I think practical step would be find somebody you trust and talk to them about it and know that the numbers, the statistics are on your side. So whoever you pick, you basically have at least a one in two chance that when you tell them what's going on with you, they're struggling with the same thing, you know? So so you're not the crazy one in the room, right? And we got to stop calling. We have got to stop calling people who struggle with mental issues crazy. Yeah, we do. Because it it's is... so easy to do. It is denigrating. I mean, it is just... It's just a horrible thing to do. Are you crazy? It's dismissive. Yeah. Right? We got to stop doing that. You know what I mean? Um, So number one, you're not alone in your struggles. Does that make sense, Steph? Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Number two, your diagnosis is not your identity. That's good. Whatever you've been diagnosed by or whatever you self-diagnosed yourself with, your diagnosis is not your identity. You may struggle with something, but that does not mean that's who you are. That's right. And we are so bad as human beings, and even Christians, at deciding who we are is based off what we do, mm-hmm. or what we struggle with, or where we came from. Yeah, right? that's true. You know, we like we we just tie, tie our identities to it. So, like the the easy thing for people to do is, and especially men, women do this as well, but especially men, is to say my identity is whatever my job is. That's what we do. I have I have I have struggled with this my whole career that my identity is being a pastor that I can't do anything else that this is who I am that this is what you know and that's who that's who I am right that's yeah. just and and we're so bad about tying our identity to what we do we're we're yeah. bad about tying our identity to um who we are like where we came from you know and yeah. so you're born in the 
you, you know, I, I was born in Caswell County, North Carolina. Steph, I don't know where the heck you were born, but you lived in Caswell <laughs> I County. I was born in Goldsboro, North Carolina, on an Air Force base. <laughs> the Air Force base, right. But you were raised in Caswell County, North Carolina, right? Exactly. A lot of the time. And so we, we sometimes have this habit of going, well, who I am is just white trash from Caswell County, North Carolina, right? Or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just this. And this is what I thought. I'm I'm the girl that uh, lives with her white dad, but no one really looks like me. Yeah, yeah. So tell everybody why people don't look like why they didn't look like you well, in your family. What do you mean? Like so, so I meant like the, in school. Yeah, that's what, that's what <laughs> yeah. I meant. Like so you're so you're the guy the girl that lives with the white dad yeah. and nobody else in school looks like you. Why? Yeah. Well, we, we only had like two other Filipino families that I had known of and um everyone else was um white or black yep. or, you know, of Hispanic, Hispanic and a, yeah, right. something like that, yeah. So it was rare to see. It was just rare to see. Because your so, mom is yeah. Filipino. Yes. And your dad is a white country bumpkin, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love you, Dad. <laughs> but I mean, he's a white guy. He's he was a, he was a white guy in the military. Yes. Right. And met a Filipino woman. Yes. In the Philippines. Yeah. Right. And so you have this this thing where you just go back to your well, my identity is I'm the I'm the only Filipino kid in my classroom, right? Yeah. I'm the only half white, half Filipino. Like it's just it just comes back to your even your race. That's who I am. That's my identity. And you want to um, if we want to go even further, which we can that's a whole other conversation right, for another right. day. I mostly identified as white even though I knew that wasn't my only. Yeah. It was just what my dad was there, you know. So Right. Yeah. So it's just funny how we we constantly take our identity from whatever it is mm-hmm. when that's not the case. And it's the same thing with things we struggle with. Like yeah. if you are, let's take it out of mental illness and take it to some, something else. Um, if you are somebody who has asthma, asthma is not who you are as a person. That's not your identity, yeah. right? And so if you are, and let's take it to the sinful side. If you are somebody who struggles with excessive alcohol, you're an alcoholic, alcoholism is not your identity. Right. You know what I mean? It's not. Like if you're somebody who has, who has a, um, you help me with the correct word, words, Stephanie. Um, if you're somebody who has a learning disability or um is is or some other disability intellectual yes yeah, yeah. or um sorry it's it's passing my right. head I don't yeah. want to say the word handicap yes. but that's what right. I'm you know like if you have some sort of you know mental developmental dis- yeah there developmental disability yeah. or physical you're not that's not who you are as a person right. right it's not it's not who you are and so it's the same thing with about this your diagnosis is not your identity you may struggle with anxiety or depression or bipolar disorder or whatever it is you struggle with, but that that's not who you are. Right. Right. Yeah, who you are as a person. I can tell you who you are as a human being um, because it's all over Scripture, and I think creation declares this too. Even if you're not a Christ follower, as a human being, you are created in the image of God, right? You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made, mm-hmm. um, and you are his masterpiece, and I don't get to decide that you are the masterpiece. Uh, God created you, so he gets to decide that yes, you're the masterpiece, the right? Um, and so your identity can be found, is is found, should be found in God and God alone. Your identity should be found and, in, and can be found in Jesus alone, 
no matter what you struggle with, right? That's right. No matter what it is. And so those are two big things that you need to know. You're not alone in this mess um, if you struggle with mental illness. And also, your diagnosis is not your identity. Here's a third one, and we'll move on to the next group of people. Um, God sees you. He sees you. He sees you in your mess and in your struggle. Um, He sees you. It's not just the people around you that see you. God sees you, and he cares. Mm -hmm. He cares deeply when you feel different, um, when you feel broken, when you feel uh, alone. He cares about those things. And you need to hear somebody say that to you. Um, th- this was something big for me. The very first time that I decided to actually talk about these things years ago, I remember that the. I remember like it was yesterday that my counselor in Chapel Hill. And what's funny is, is I picked a counselor in Chapel Hill on purpose who was not a Christian. Um, because I was like, I don't want, I don't want Christian counseling. I'm a pastor. I understand all that. I want to get into the psychology of this thing, right? And so mm-hmm. I picked a lady who was the opposite of me. Um, she was like new age, yoga chick. You know, I don't know what she believes spiritually. You walk in and there's sage burning and, you know what I mean, like <laughs> Inya playing in the background. Okay. And, and a little smoke, little, little little thing that puffs out little um Essential oils, you know what I mean? All a diffuser, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you come in the room and you sit on the floor, Indian style, and weird. I mean, it was weird, right? Yeah. Um, and I picked it on purpose. And and this woman, who, you know, obviously we didn't have the same faith backgrounds, and I picked a woman too, right? Mm-hmm. She says, first one of the first things she said, I'll never forget it. I felt like the the Holy Spirit of God was speaking through her in that moment to me, and she didn't even know it. Was hey, I want you to know before we get started that God sees you, you know. God sees you. What? Yeah. That uh, he sees you. He knows that you are, he cares that you're broken. And then she was, wow. and she started translating that to herself. She was like, I want you to know I care that you're broken. And mm-hmm. I care that you're struggling. Wow. And I care that you feel like you're alone and you can't tell anybody and you're scared of these things. And I was just blown away. I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, what is this? What kind of? What is going on right now? You know what I mean? I didn't know what to do. Um, but it's good for us to know that's the third thing is that, you know, you – God sees you. And and what Jesus does for us – pay attention to this closely. What Jesus does for us is he identifies with us. And because he identifies with us, it means we can trust him. Yes. You know, he comes down and he lives the same life we would live. He's born to regular old parents. He lives in a regular old house. He goes to a regular old job. He eats regular old food, just like anybody else, right? Um, he's not rolling in as, you know, some wealthy king, you know what I mean, that we can't relate to. He identifies with us. He walks through the same human struggles that we walk through. He gets tired. He gets um, hungry, right? I mean, all those things. Um, and so because he identifies with us, that lets us know that we can actually trust him. Mm-hmm. He identifies with us. It shows that he cares, you know, Um and that's important to know. So for, so if you struggle with mental health, there's our three. There's our three because I think we're not doing very good on time, but whatever. Who cares? That's our three. Right? <laughs> so here you go. If you struggle with mental health as we get started on this conversation, I want you to know you're not alone. Your diagnosis is not your identity. And God sees you. Now let's move on to the other group of people listening. Will be those of you who do not struggle with mental health issues, but um, you have people that do in your life. You got friends that do. 
And so you need to know that. You know what we just said to them, too, but you need to know these three things. So here's the first one. Uh, be present with your friends. Be present. There is a huge power in the ministry of presence. You ever heard the ministry of presence before, Steph? No. All right. This is this profound term. It's been around a long time. The ministry of presence is basically you're ministering to someone not by speaking, not even by the actions that you do, but just by being present. Hmm. I'm just there, right? I'm just there. So like if you think about think about it in a couple different ways. Um, you have a friend of yours who calls and says, or you find out that they've taken them to the emergency room, there was a car wreck, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you go to the emergency room, and their family's there, and they're all worried and stuff. And you might have a few words, but you really don't know what to say. So what do you end up doing? Just sit there. Yeah. Right? You're just there. You know, you might go to go get them a cup of coffee or water or go let the dogs out for them or whatever it is they got to do. But really, all you're doing is just being there. Think about when we have a loss, right, when somebody dies in our families. Um, like I remember when your grandpa passed away, right, mm-hmm. um, and I did your grandpa's funeral. Um, and I'm there doing the funeral. Right? So I got some words to say and I got some things to do, right? Um, Valerie, my wife, she didn't do it. All she did was attend. She was just there. Yeah. That's the ministry of presence. And There's she a, came that night and sat in the car right, with us. just sit there. I mean, you're not really doing it. You might have a few little things that you might say, but in the most in most cases, what can you say when somebody loses somebody? Like, what do you say? You don't know yeah. what to say, right? Sometimes so you just don't have to. You just don't, and you really don't. That's the whole power of the ministry of presence. Yeah. If you know somebody who is struggling with mental illness, practice the ministry of presence. Just be with them. Just sit with them. Sit. I'll give you four things. Sit. Listen, hear them, and love them. That's right. Right? Because there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Right? So sit, be quiet, listen to them, let them speak, actually hear them and what they're saying, right? And love them. That's all you got to do. The ministry of presence is a profound thing. It is a profound thing to have friends that whenever you're struggling with something, that they're just there, right? Like, yeah. They're just there, you know? They don't, they don't know what to do. They might know something. They might not. You know, like think about a big loss in the South, like in the South in particular, you know, when somebody dies. What we do in the South when somebody dies is we go to those people's homes and we bring food. That's what we do, right? Yeah. We used to bring casseroles. Somebody died, we bring casserole. Now everybody's too busy to cook. So what people do is they bring a bucket of chicken, yes. right, or something like that, or mm-hmm. rotisserie chicken. Those are big. Mm-hmm. Um, but we show up and we bring food. Well, really, we're not bringing the food for them to really eat it because if you have a significant loss, you ain't going to eat right then. You're not that hungry. You're bringing it just as, a, as just a way to come in and be present with them. That's all you're doing, right, just being present. So I was, the first thing I would say is just be present with your friends. If you know somebody who's struggling with mental illness, you ain't got to fix it. That's right. You don't even have to understand it. So, so stop, stop putting it on, well, I got to understand this to be able to do this. No, you don't. Just be there. And you also don't have to sit there and be positive for them either. Like sometimes people don't even want that. You don't even have to agree with them. Yeah. Right? Like you may be thinking to yourself, let's just just talk about the elephant in the room. You're somebody who um, knows somebody who's struggling with mental illness, but you don't. You can't fully understand it. And so there's lots of times where you actually disagree with it. Like you think there ain't nothing wrong with them. 
Like you see, you know, a friend or family member who's depressed and you think there ain't nothing wrong with them. They just need to get out of the bed. They just need to choose joy, right? They just need to choose happiness. Um, I would tell you that you don't have to agree with them about this to be present for them, right? right. Just shut your mouth right, and listen to them. That's one of the best things that you could do. Um, nobody's asking you to be an expert on any of this. You're definitely not. And so just be present. That's the first one. Second one I would say to those of you who don't necessarily struggle with it, but you know somebody who does, is reaffirm their identity in Christ. Like reaffirm what their identity really looks like. When you have a friend who starts to buy and believe a lie about themselves, you correct it. That's right. Like it's your job to correct it when a friend of yours starts to believe a lie about themselves. Somebody you care about starts to believe, I'm worthless, I'm no good, things aren't going to get better, this is, this is all I'll ever be, right? This is who I am in life. You correct that and affirm their identity back to Jesus. Like you correct it and you go, no, 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 your diagnosis is not your identity, right? Your struggle with this is not who you are. Mm-hmm. You reaffirm their identity in God, reaffirm their identity in Jesus, reaffirm their identity to you. Right. Like, you know, no, no, no. You're not just somebody who's got a mental diagnosis. You're my friend. You're the smartest person I know. You're the kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like you start reaffirming that right when they start believing lies about themselves. That's one of the greatest things a friend can do, period. The greatest things a friend can do is a friend can can come against the lies that you start to believe. Yeah. Um, Like I'm going to give you a good example. This is a good one. All right. You ready? Yes. Take a sip of coffee. Y'all can hear me swallow. (laughs) Whoops. Um, it actually happened. All right. So uh, this bothers me as a parent, um, but it just is true. So first off, everybody in the world hates something about their body. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Ladies, all of you, you hate lots of parts, parts about your body. You hate them. Let me give you a secret about men. We do too, right? There's all kinds of stuff about our bodies that we don't like either. Right. Now, we may pretend and act like we don't, you know, and we act all macho like we don't care about those things, but we do. There's multiple parts about our bodies that we don't like. So everybody struggles with their body stuff. Um, my children all have something about their bodies they don't like. And the, the age ranges of my kids currently are 16, 11, and 7. Um, so high school, middle school, and elementary school. All right. The youngest is a 7-year-old girl. Uh, our 16-year-old girl, she has stuff about her body she doesn't like. It bothers me that it bothers her. Like, I hate that she cares about whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and my little seven, my seven-year-old girl thinks about body image. My seven-year-old girl is worried about the size of her tummy. She's seven. Like, it bothers me that she thinks that. My, my seven-year-old doesn't like the doesn't like the skin underneath her neck or chin or whatever, right? She's yeah. seven. You know what I'm saying? Um, heck, she's still got baby fat. She's seven years old. My son, who's just a middle school boy, he, he, he hates his height. He thinks he's never going to be tall, right? He thinks he's going to end up being a short guy. I keep telling him he's going to be tall because he's got orangutan arms. His arms go all the way down to his knees, right? And so I'm like, son, you're going to be tall, but he thinks he's not going to be. And he's constantly bothered about his hair. And just, they've, all, they've all got all these different things. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I hate it as a father. I hate that they, that they don't have perfect body image. You know what I mean? Right. I hate it. 
because um, I think they're both. I think they're all great and awesome and perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all have said stuff like this to me, and so to all of them, individually at different times, they'll say something like. I can't stand this part about my body or I wish I didn't look like this. I wish I looked like somebody else or I wish I had their hair. I wish I had their stomach or I wish I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I will snap on them. Like I've done it to all three of them. This, and it happens constantly. I bet I, I bet I do this once a week to one of these kids where they'll say, and they'll say, you know, I don't like this about myself. And I'll go, Hey, you need to watch your mouth. You don't talk about my daughter like that. Yeah. You know, like Olivia says that I go, you don't talk about my daughter like that. She's like, Daddy, I am your daughter. I was like, I know, but I'm still, you don't, I'll whoop your tail. You don't talk about my daughter like that. Yeah. You know, because this is who my daughter is. I say the same thing to my son. Like, you're not going to talk about my son like that. I'll knock you out. You know what I mean? Let me pass on my kids. <laughs> and Aiden's sitting there going, Dad, you're telling me not to talk about myself, but then you're going to knock me out for talking about myself. I'm like, that's right, because I don't care who you are. You're not going to talk about my son like that. Right. You know what I mean? Because, because I know who you are. But what you're really trying to knock out is the lie. Yeah. That they're to believing. Kill the lie. Not them. Yeah. The, the lie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now if we can accomplish both of one punch, maybe so. But no, I mean, yeah, you're trying to you're trying to like go against that. Mm-hmm. And if you have somebody around you who struggles with mental health, you've got to go against that. You've got mm-hmm. to push back and go, no, no, you're my friend. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're not I'm not gonna let you believe this lie about yourself. I'm gonna reaffirm back into your identity. Right in Jesus, I'm going to reaffirm really who you are. You know what I mean? That's right. So if you go and talk, if you if you've got somebody around you who struggles with mental illness, and you're going to practice being present, and you're going to listen, and you're going to hear, and you're going to say something, let the something you say back be against the lies that they have believed about themselves. Not that's, something that's going to make them doubt it even yes, more. Yes. If you're going to open your mouth, open your mouth and go. You know what? I know that you struggle with these things, but that's not who you are. That's right. Right. That's not who you are. And this is not the totality of your life. That God has bigger plans for this, and he's going to use these things in ways you have no idea about. Like, I have no idea how much God has used the anxiety and stuff that I struggle with because I've been willing to say it from platforms and podcasts and stages, you know, and and pulpits for years now. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. But I know he's used it. You know, right. um, and so that's what you say back. So that's that's the second thing. So so I got a lot of track. So be present with your friends, reaffirm their identity in Christ, and the last one, intercede on their behalf by actually praying for them, like pray for them, and pray for them in their issues. Um, there is a profound scripture about us um, walking and helping carry burdens of people in our life, specifically fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. This is Galatians chapter 6. Um, verse 10. Yeah, verse 2. Um, and the, the greater context of it, you can read it on your own, the greater context of it is the whole chapter. But we're going to talk through kind of the first, I, the big idea in the first five, six verses. But just read, just read verse 2, Steph. Okay, this is the NIV. Um, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah, so carry each other's burdens, and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's right. Fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus walks out this law fully, and so he carries our burdens when we cannot. And so the idea is is that we would carry each other's burdens. And so if you know somebody who struggles with mental health, how can you carry this thing? How can you carry this thing for them? Well, you can pray for them and intercede on their behalf. Here's the picture of what's going on in Galatians chapter 6. 
if you go back to the original language, there's there's some um, there's some word pictures that you will get based on this. So that one right there, carry each other's burdens. The the text for burden gives you the word picture of a boulder, right? If you go down a little bit further, you'll see where it almost sounds contradictory. We won't read it today, but it almost sounds contradictory because it says everybody has to take their own bear their own responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's saying up here carry each other's burdens, and down here it's saying I think it's in verse five. It's saying each person must bear the weight of their own responsibility, and so you're like, wait a minute, is this contradictory? It's really not. There's a there's a word picture association with the original text, and so the picture of a burden is a boulder. The picture of the responsibility is a backpack. I shared this for the, I share this at every single funeral, at the end of every funeral to a charge to the people attending the funeral to help bear the burdens of the people, that their friends who have lost somebody, right? I first did this at your grandpa's funeral. It was the first time ever. Really? Never did it before then. And then I've done it ever since Mm -hmm. after that. Um, And that was a long time ago. That was. I mean, I'm talking, that's probably 10 years ago. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, long time, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The word picture here is you've got boulder versus backpack. So in other words, everybody's got to carry their own responsibilities. Well, of course they do, right? You're a grown person. You've got to carry your own responsibilities. That means you've got to work for yourself and you've got to brush your own teeth, right? right. You've got to pay your own way. You've got to figure it out. Nobody can carry those things for you. Like I can't, I can't carry for you the fact that you've got to work a job and you've got to you know, wash your own clothes. and You know that's what I mean? Right. Like all those things that come along with life, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a backpack to wear, and that's individual, and nobody can wear that but you. You've got to bear your own responsibilities. But then when it talks about this burden piece, it's talking about a boulder. Like, in other words, a boulder is too big for somebody to carry on their own. And so you have to have people around you that carry those burdens. That's the picture. And a mental health issue and diagnosis and struggle with anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, it's in the burden category. It's in the boulder category, right? It means we means you've got to have people in your life to help you carry it. And one of the best ways you can do that for people that you know who struggle with this is you can intercede on their behalf for them by praying for them. Mm-hmm. Like pray for them specifically. Lift them up to God and what they're struggling with and and that 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 the right people would come along to help them carry that that burden. And that you would be able to help them carry that burden in whatever way that you can. And um, like pray for them individually. Um, don't dismiss them as crazy. And don't try to fix them. Right? You can't do that. And don't try to tell them that they're just not choosing joy enough. Um, I had people tell me that. When I was a pastor and I was struggling with this stuff, mm-hmm. I had other Christian leaders who were my leaders. Say you just ain't you just ain't got enough faith, right? You just ain't choosing joy enough. And I was like, "That's so first irritating." Off, first off, you have no idea the level of my faith. Second off, you have no idea how much I'm trying to choose joy and want to choose joy. Exactly. And that's not the fix here, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the only thing wrong. You know what I mean? Um, so keep your mouth shut on all those things you don't know nothing about. And how about opening your mouth in prayer about the person? Right, I think you should weigh it out like this. If you're going to give them advice on what they should do about their mental health, if you're going to speak some advice to them, you ought to speak at least double in prayer, not to their face, but That's for good. them. You know what I mean? 
It's the same thing with, you know, that would hold true with anything we would do. Like if you're going to share something, um, you ought to be praying doubly about it in the background. You know, like yeah. so for me, uh, my goal is if I'm going to preach something, I'm going to be praying about it way more than I'm going to preach about it. Yeah. And the same thing with this. Um, so those are just those are just some things. Um, I don't know where we're going with this, but we're going to wrap this one up and walk into another one. And I don't know if Steph and I will get it done in this recording session or not, but um, let's recap real fa- fast. So those of you that struggle with mental illness, um, know that you're not alone. Know that your diagnosis is not your identity and know that God sees you. Those of you that know somebody who struggles, but you don't in particular, um, number one, be present with your friends. Number two, reaffirm their identity in Jesus. And number three, intercede on their behalf. In other words, help carry that boulder. Um, Steph and I just want to have an honest conversation about these things. And so that's what we're doing. Yeah. And we're definitely going to share much more during these six to eight weeks. Yep. Yep. Next week, we're going to actually talk about the fact that um, mental health issues is not a sin. Yeah, it's not a sin. We'll talk about that next week. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to comment and let us know what you think about this episode or just anything you want to talk about or hear about. Please do. Please do. All right. Let us know. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.